Sin brings death. Death is due to the curse. God has cursed the ground and cursed man for his rebellion. Now, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus, he as our Savior and Redeemer, he bears the curse. And the curse means his death. And on that cross, our Lord Jesus laid down his life that we might be saved from sin. The very thorns that were upon the Savior's brow, and Calvary thorns were huge thorns. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us here in the program today. We're coming to our Luther lesson on Luther going to Augsburg. And there they were set to have a debate. And we read here from his biographer, at last, the order to appear before the Cardinal Legate at Augsburg arrived. It was now one of the princes of the Roman Church that Luther had to deal with. All his friends entreated him not to set out. They feared that even during the journey, snares might be led for his life. Some busied themselves in finding an asylum for him. Staupitz himself, the timid Staupitz, was moved at the thought of the dangers to which Brother Martin would be exposed, that brother whom he had dragged from the seclusion of the cloister and whom he had launched on that agitated sea in which his life was now endangered. Alas, it would not have been better for the poor brother to have remained forever unknown. It was too late. At least he would do everything in his power to save him. Accordingly, he wrote from his convent at Salzburg, on September 15, soliciting Luther to flee and seek asylum with him. It appears to me, said he, that the whole world is enraged and combined against the truth. The crucified Jesus was hated in like manner. I do not see that you have anything else to expect but persecution. Ere long, no one will be able, without the Pope's permission, to search the Scriptures and therein look for Jesus Christ, which Jesus Christ, however, commands. You have but few friends. I would to God that fear of your adversaries did not prevent those few from declaring themselves in your favor. The wisest course is for you to abandon Wittenberg for a season and come to me. Then he shall live and die together. This is also the prince's opinion, adds Staupitz. From different quarters, Luther received the most alarming intelligence. Count Albert of Mansfeld bade him beware of undertaking the journey, for several powerful lords had sworn to seize his person and strangle or drown him. But nothing could frighten him. He had no intention of profiting by the vicar general's offer. He would not go and conceal himself in the obscurity of a convent at Salzburg, he would remain faithfully on that stormy scene where the hand of God had placed him. It was by his persevering in spite of his adversaries and proclaiming the truth aloud in the midst of the world 
that the reign of this truth advanced. I am like Jeremiah, said Luther, at the time of which he was speaking, a man of strife and contention. But the more their threats increase, the more my joy is multiplied. They have already destroyed my honor and my reputation. One single thing remains. It is my wretched body. Let them take it. They will thus shorten my life by a few hours. But as for my soul, they cannot take that. He who desires to proclaim the word of Christ to the world must expect death at every moment. For our husband is a bloody husband to us. The elector was then at Augsburg. Shortly before quitting the deed of that city, he had paid the legate a visit. The cardinal, highly flattered with this condescension from so illustrious a prince, promised Frederick that if the monk appeared before him, he would listen to him in a paternal manner and dismiss him kindly. Spalatin, by the prince's order, wrote to his friend that the Pope had appointed a commission to hear him in Germany, that the elector would not permit him to be dragged to Rome, that he must prepare for his journey to Augsburg. Luther resolved to obey. The notice he had received from the Count of Mansfeld induced him to ask a safe conduct from Frederick. The latter replied that it was not necessary, and sent him only letters of recommendation to some of the most distinguished councillors of Augsburg. He also provided him with money for the journey, and the poor defenceless reformer set out on foot to place himself in the hands of his enemies. Well, we're thankful that Martin Luther was not going into hiding, but facing the enemy to preach the truth of the gospel. Oh
You've been listening to the Reformation Choir. This is Ian Gallagher. We're moving now to the pulpit ministry of our church, to the Psalm 32 and the great doctrine of justification by faith alone. May the Lord open your heart, draw you to receive God's word today that you might know the joy of sins forgiven. And my own illustration of life as a straight line. I want to remind you tonight that death is a one-way direction. The Bible is very, very clear that we are born once. We live on this earth once, whatever little stretch of time God has given. And one has used an illustration of a very long rope, and he ties a few colored uh, markings at the end, and there's just about an inch or an inch and a half to the tape area marked red with death. And that first little inch and a half is your life on earth. At the end of the beginning of that rope, there you were born. You live your little life up to the point of death, and then the rest of the rope, with all its reams and reams of rope, that's eternity. And you are going to pass this way but once. You will never return. And when you reach death, the Bible says, after death, the judgment. You will be judged once. You will be consigned into eternity, heaven or hell. And the judgment, the announcement, will be made once. And that will be your eternal fate. You will never change it. The Lord Jesus taught this clearly in Luke's Gospel 19 of the rich man and the beggar. And between the two in eternity, there was a great gulf fixed. The rich man opened his eyes in torment. He cried out that he might have his, his tongue cooled with water. He pleaded uh, with Father Abraham, but the announcement was that there is this gulf fixed. There is no transfer over. It is a one-way, permanent, eternal fate for the soul that dies without Christ. And every day these facts stare us in the face. Every day we meet with them read the obituaries in the newspaper or online. And every day there is death upon death within our communities where people leave this world and face death and eternity. And so let this be a wake-up call. I hope tonight that you are alerted to the reality that you are but a step away from death. And that brings us to the need for wisdom. Not only should you be alerted, but you should be guided what to do. How can you save your soul? How can you be sure that you are in heaven and not in hell? And if you remember Martin Luther, that was his question. He was struggling and striving and seeking ways by which he could ensure that he would escape 
judgment, escape purgatory or hell as he was taught, and that he would have heaven. And so tonight, we need to look at the things that we know that are sure that are good wisdom when it comes to death. Well, the first thing is wisdom asks us to trace the cause of death. Why has this to be? Why are we living in a world surrounded with such death? And, of course, the basic, basic fundamental problem in human nature is our fallen condition. We are the result of sin. The wages of sin is death, and death is the direct result of sin. This is simply cause and effect. It's as mathematical or scientific as two plus two. We face death because we have sinned, and the disease of death has struck our bodies. The devil has sown his tares in the human heart, and pride has brought forth rebellion, and the curse of sin is like a poison at work in every one of us. Now, James, in his epistle, he put it very well, and I'm going to ask you to look this one up. It's James 1 and verse 15. It's a very clear statement on the cause-effect of why we are in a world and why we're stalked continually with the reality of death. James 1.15, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, the nature of death, of course, comes to us in many forms. But the cause can always be traced back to the old dogged issue that we are by nature sin. We've inherited it. We have practiced it. We are guilty before God, and sin condemns us. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, the apostle Paul, he refers to the sting of death, which is sin. The sting of death is sin. It's the very thing that has injected death into our lives. And so we need to face up to that reality. Now, if you do, if you do face up to the reality that the cause of our death is due to sin in our bodies, sin in our hearts, sin against God, there is an answer. Because wisdom tells us to take hope in Christ, who became a curse and bore the curse of death in his own body on the cross. And Galatians 3.13 is certainly a key text on this. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Galatians 3 and verse 13. <clears throat> Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And so this is really the gospel in a nutshell. Sin brings death. Death is due to the curse 
God has cursed the ground and cursed man for his rebellion. Now, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus, he as our Savior and Redeemer, he bears the curse. And the curse means his death. And on that cross, our Lord Jesus laid down his life that we might be saved from sin. The very thorns that were upon the Savior's brow, and Calvary thorns were huge thorns. And those thorns that were used as a mockery when they cursed him and mocked him as the king of the Jews, laying on him a wreath of thorns, pressing down upon his head and his brow, from which streamed the blood. It demonstrated Christ becoming a curse for us. And of course, back in Genesis, God cursed the ground and said he would bring forth thorns, briars, and so on. And the thorn is the mark of the curse. And so tonight, wisdom says there is an answer. There is a way to be delivered from the curse of death. There's a way to escape the judgment for sin by looking to the one who took the curse and bore that curse in his own body. Bible also says that the wood of the cross, the tree of the cross, is the symbol of the curse. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And if you study the Old Testament, there were times when bodies that were hung on a tree were cut down, because cursed is are all that hang upon a tree. Roman crucifixion was for those who were guilty of crimes, some of them very serious crimes. And the very fact that our Lord Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross, a gibbet, with thorns on his brow, it's all symbolic. It all expresses the curse that he bore in our place to bring life, pardon, salvation for his people for his church, for you, if you will believe, and if you will come and trust the Lord Jesus. But then, of course, the cross is but the first part of the great good news of the gospel story, because we cannot miss the resurrection, that on the third day our Lord Jesus rose again. This summer, when I was back in Ulster, I was asked the question by someone, or we were talking about someone who'd passed away in death, and we talked about you know, the, the fate in, in, in eternity. And the question, well, but no one has ever come back from the dead. Well, that's not true. We have one great example of our Lord Jesus who returned from the dead. And the very victory that he won over death is the very triumph that we need in our lives. And of course, the gospel, the Bible teaches us that the Lord Jesus was the prototype. He was the first of many brethren that he would bring to glory. And our Lord Jesus has triumphed over sin on the cross. He has triumphed over death in the tomb. He is risen, exalted, and he is bringing home his people. In 1 Corinthians 15, we have that great and wonderful passage uh, laying out, not necessarily explaining the miracle, but laying out the facts as they will happen on the day of the resurrection. 
Let's read them together and take hope tonight that this is the gospel answer for death. 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll begin at verse 52. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 52. He says, I will show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. What a wonderful assurance. There's a must here. It's not something that may happen. It must happen, because Christ is risen, because He's risen for His people. He's risen for His church. He's risen for you if you're believing and trusting in Him, and He has given His life to you. Then you must be raised up on that day. Verse 54, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But, but, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is the glory and the wonder of the gospel message. We have a risen Savior who has conquered death and assures us of our resurrection that we will join with Him on that eternal day. Then the judgment. After death, the judgment. Wisdom tells us tonight that we need to prepare for that judgment day. And that is the lot of all men. No one is going to escape that judgment. They will stand before God naked. They will give account of every word and every deed. And so we need an, an advocate on the judgment day. We're going to face death. We're going to face the judgment. But we need a Savior who will confess us before the Father. And this is the promise of the gospel. Romans 8.33 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. And so we're right back to Calvary. We're right back to the cross. And so, my friend, tonight, if you would, hearts is smitten, convicted by the reality of death, if this has been a wake-up call to you tonight, I bid you to go to the cross. Do not stop until you are covered in the blood of Jesus by that promise of salvation. And I remind you that you will never get to do this twice. What you do with Christ, you will do for all eternity. There is no returning, no reassessment, no changing in eternity. You're born once, you live once, you die once. After this, the judgment, and then you spend all eternity in that same final destiny, heaven or hell. Which will it be for you tonight? 
I read just today a missionary story of a Miss Tweedy in India. And in the village, a dear old woman noticed her wristwatch. And she put it to her ear and allowed the lady to hear the clicking of the watch. Tick, tick, tick. And the missionary said the Tamil word for tick is very similar. It is pronounced almost the same. And she was then able to tell that woman and the other woman that she had gathered to hear the ticking of her watch, that the watch reminded us of how quickly time is going. And one day, that watch would stop clicking, just like your heart will stop beating. And then what will you do? The native Tamil lady said, then I will worship Jesus. She gave the right answer, didn't she? She was set that her hope was in the Lord Jesus as her Savior. I wonder tonight, have you accepted the Lord to save you? Are you a believer in the Son of God to give you eternal life? Do you fear death? You ought to. Is this an, an, an alarm going off tonight in your soul, alerting you and wakening you to this reality that one day you're going to die, you're going to go out into eternity, you're going to face the judgment, you're going to be in heaven or hell. But if you have Christ, he promises that he will raise you up and present you to the Father, spotless, holy, undefiled ready for heaven. And that becomes the comfort, the hope of God's people, the assurance that the gospel brings to our hearts. And I want you tonight to settle that matter. I want you to bow your head. I want you to make the prayer and say, Lord, I don't want to go into eternity without a Savior. I don't want to be lost. And I want you to pray and ask the Lord Jesus into your heart to save you. And as you make that prayer, repent of your sin and plead the cleansing of the blood. And I assure you, the Lord will not turn away that earnest prayer of your heart. And so I ask you again, are you saved? Are you sure that you're saved? Are you a believer trusting in the Lord Jesus alone? If you make that prayer and you want me to help you, I'll be glad to speak with you after this meeting tonight. Just sit where you are or talk to me and say, will you come and talk to me a little about this? You don't have to talk to me to be saved. I cannot improve on the salvation of the Lord Jesus. I can only just flick through the pages of the Bible and show you certain verses that might be of help. But it's your prayer. It's your calling on the Lord. And it's you that needs to be saved tonight. And I pray you will. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music